This is Authors in Focus. Hi, I'm James Reed, a fantasy author publishing under JMD Reed. The first volume of my epic 12-book fantasy series, Shadow of the Dragon, is available for purchase. Check out Foundation of Courage. Today, I'm joined by Russ Colchamirio. He is the author of the Angela Hardwick Mysteries. How are you doing today, Russ? I'm doing really well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. It's great to have you. I like to start out these interviews with like a dumb question. So are you a cat person or a dog person? Both. Oh, okay. All right. You go both ways. I get it. It's cool. <laughs> the 2020s. So uh, how long have you wanted to be an author? Uh, well, I mean, I've been writing really since I was a little kid. So it's kind of been in my DNA my whole life. But I've kind of been at it, let's say, um, writing fiction anyway, kind of seriously for, let's call it, the last 20 years. Okay, cool. So is uh, the Angela Hardwick Mysteries like your first novel, or is this just your latest project? Oh, no, 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 no. no. God. At this point, so I write a combination of science, sci-fi, crime, mystery, and a little bit of horror. Um, between novel, novels, novellas, and short stories, I've probably got, I don't know, let's call it 25 to 30 books out there. In terms of novels, um, I've got about, uh, I'm losing track, eight or ten of them out. Um, hard, uh, so there's three Hardwick novels, Crackle and Fire, uh, Fractured Lives, and Hot Ash, which are all out, and Hot Ash being the newest one that came out last month. I'm working on book four right now. I was actually working on it this morning. Um, and then I've got book five coming right behind that one. Yeah, no, I, I get that where you start to lose track of, like, how many novels you have published. Because I've got, well, I'm over 20 now. Yep. So I don't know. And then... And then, like you, then um, you have to write dedications, and I ran yeah. out of things to dedicate like 50 novels ago. It feels like. Yeah, I don't. I don't do dedications on every novel. I do them on a, on a lot, not all of them, but a lot. I might. I might have to stop just because I feel like I'm. I'm dedicated to everything <laughs> at this point. Like, yeah. um, because I also co-author with Michael Evan, and he's always like, "What do you want to dedicate this next one?" So I've also got like, like 12, 13 novellas with him. And he's like, I don't know. I'm out of things to dedicate. Yeah. <laughs> I have my, like, I'm, this is too much. I don't want to write these any longer. Yep. But anyways, uh, so let's talk about the Angela Hardwick mysteries. Yep. Uh, so she's sort of a, it's like a detective set in a sci-fi setting. Yeah. So, so she's, a pro- she's a hard-boiled <laughs> private eye with a kind of a sci-fi spin. So as a private detective, she takes on the kind of cases that you would think a private eye would take on. Kidnapping, murder, extortion, missing persons, corporate espionage, and that kind of thing. But you'll also take on cases that have elements of sci-fi with time travel or alien invasions or shapeshifters or parallel universes. Um, and, I, and I sort of blend the two. And the way I see Hardwick is she's part Blade Runner, part Doctor Who, and part Atomic Blonde. Okay. So I'm just trying to get the settings. Like uh, Earth. Modern time, not modern time. Well, no. So actually, so she exists in a realm. Okay. Um, called uh, Eternity, and if you think of it like, so like L.A., like Hollywood, 
is to the movie business, right? Either you're, you're, there's actors and directors and writers and, and grips and everyone who works within the movie industry and then all the ancillary businesses that support the, the Hollywood, right? You got accountants and lawyers and marketing firms and restaurants and costume designers and on and on. Well, eternity is sort of like that, except that the realm is responsible for the design physical creation and maintenance of the universe itself. So you need a star, someone has to someone has to put an order for it, someone has to get the raw materials and someone has to actually go physically build it. You want a new galaxy, same deal. Somebody has to design it, somebody has to pay for it. If there are rips in the fabric of space-time, there's a whole group of folks who go out there with giant polishers and sanders and they and they physically repair cracks in the universe. And that's kind of the world that she lives in. So in her town, so is is E Town is the is the at urban center, and that's kind of her her stomping grounds. You know, it's an urban core like you would think, right? Think of it a little bit more of a Blade Runner esque type of setting. Maybe not quite as dystopian, but it's certainly there. And she, you know, she handles her cases the way you would think. She interviews witnesses, and she tangles with, follows clues and. De- uh, and tangles with dangerous characters between drug dealers and gangsters and thieves and fences and the criminal element and cops and clients. And she has to sort of, she likes to physically walk the streets to get the smell and the feel and the texture. You know, she really needs to understand what's happening at street level day to day. And the cases come in the way they come in. Sometimes she gets hired. Sometimes it's a friend of a friend who's in trouble. Sometimes she literally just stumbles into some sort of nonsense. And next thing you know, she's, she's sucked in pretty deep. The other element that I like to point out is that, so Hardwick is about 35. Um, and she's been, and by the time we meet her, she's been out doing her thing for about 15 years. She has a, a when we meet her, she's got a five-year-old son, Owen. And one of the core elements in the first several novels is, can I be this hard-boiled private eye who does takes on very dangerous cases? I mean, it's not like she works nine to five, right? And she could be gone for hours, days, weeks, months. God knows what happens to her. So can right. she do that work and be a good mother to her son? So A, can she? And B, if she can, what does that look like? So she's constantly torn between how to live these two lives and is she making the right decisions? And she ultimately has to make some some fairly tough choices because the last thing that she wants to do is put her child in danger. Right, right. I got you. Okay, that's neat. Um, so where do you kind of get the idea for this whole setting? Because it's pretty imaginative. So I wrote a trilogy of books going back some years, which were it was it was more of a comedy. It was a sci-fi backpacking trilogy. Finders keepers. Um, Genius to Milo and Astropalooza. That's more of like um, a hit, like Bill and Ted meets Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Gotcha. And she appeared. So a lot of the world building in at large, I kind of had already done, but Hardwick showed up blink and you miss her in the second book. But as soon as she showed up and she really doesn't have any critical role, I said, you know, I've always loved crime fiction and I've always loved private eyes and I always wanted to do something with one. And I wrote this character and immediately I said, whoa, 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 there's something there. 
So I bumped Hardwick up to a strong secondary character in Astro Palooza. And then from there, I said, you know what? This is what I want to do. So then I started writing some short stories with her because it's from her with her stories. Everything is first person. So I wanted to get a sense of the flavor and the tone and the feel of how to write this character. And once I felt like, yep, I think I got it. Then I started uh, writing the novels and I have a five book plan with her, a 10 book plan with her and a plan where I could go indefinitely. Okay, cool. Yeah, it sounds like a like a pretty uh yeah one of those characters you can just write a lot of stories with you know very like so the, I mean the detective genre just lends itself to episodic storytelling, That's right. you know, which is well. But what I do is in the novels, each novel is a st- is a standalone novel. You can read right. any any Hardwick book in any order. It doesn't matter. I reintroduce every major character and the world building. I start from scratch in every book, so that way new readers can jump in and they know exactly who's who, they know exactly where they are, and they kind of know exactly what the stakes are. But I will say, though, that there is some character development over the course of the series, so your mileage, as a reader, your mileage may vary about whether or not you want to start at the beginning. Um, That's entirely up to you. It just depends on what you enjoy, but you can jump in in any novel and kind of know where you're at. I guess it's like early Dresden for he got up to like into the teens and right. all really you have to read everything before them by that point. Cause it's right, right. so many, you know, a line, you know, back, like it's all built on like the early stuff, but yeah. Right. Yeah. For right, for right now, it, each one, essentially I'm sort of just, I'm re I'm restarting with every novel. Gotcha. So uh, I couldn't help but notice when I was looking at your book that you have uh, a quote like that Nicholas Myers, the uh, director of Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, he, he yeah. left a very you know praiseworthy um, little blurb about your books. How'd that happen? He did. So I um, so for those who don't know, I, I host my own podcast, uh, Russ's Rock and Roller Coaster. I've been doing it for a couple of years, and I interview you know a, a variety of sci-fi mystery crime horror authors and I was able to get much to my surprise I was able to get Nick on, Nicholas on my show and we had a fantastic interview and then after that we started to become a little bit friendly I mean you know we don't go out to dinner or anything but you know he knows who I am and at one point I said hey you know would you be willing to review my book I expected him to say no or to just not even respond and at one point he said send me a copy I'll get to it if I can which is as as much as I could possibly ask for. No guarantee that he would even pick the thing up. Well, to much to my surprise, he did, and he read it, and he and he loved it, and said something really generous and wonderful. And it's it was honestly just nothing I expected, nothing I anticipated. It really just kind of floored me when when that blurb came in. It really shocked me. Yeah, no, I bet um, he's. I've I've heard he's very approachable though with like fans and doing like. Very nice guy. Interviews. Yeah, yeah, I've always heard that about him. So very, very. Yeah, <laughs> yeah very really cool. And really, like, and knows like a lot of like very famous people from history. Like his his backstory is pretty fascinating. Yeah, no, I interviewed um, Raymond Feist once, and he just he's like dad was like a Hollywood producer or something. Right. Oh wow. So he just like he grew up around like all like the sort of the stars of like the sixties and fifties. Wow, cool. Yeah, and so he was just like, oh, he's just talking, he's like this fancy other, he's just like name dropping all these people as I'm interviewing him. I'm like, oh wow, I had no idea, I just, you know, you're just a guy who wrote like The Magician and 
right. you know, the Rift War books. But like, yeah, there was a lot of, yeah, it was very interesting to like learn. It's almost like he fell into like writing fantasy on accident. Right. Oh, a lot of times that's how it happens. That's, you know, cause like I, I've interviewed Ellie Mopset and he actually, his whole like Magic of Recluse series, like what he's best known for was a bet that some guy made with him that he could write like a best-selling fantasy series without like dragons in it or something. Cause it's back in like the eighties. He wasn't even like a fantasy writer or something. I don't, I don't know, give he's actually shot. like a sci-fi writer. Right, right. Okay, cool. Yeah, so I was like, oh, that's, I had no idea. It was a bet that Magic of Recluse came about. Yeah. And it came to this best-selling book series. All right. Nice. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's just funny talking with the, with the authors and how they, like, some of them, like, you know, how they, they, you know, they, I don't know, they they end up doing what they do. And, like, some, some of them, like, they wanted to do it. Some of them, like, oh, no, I just sort of, right. you know, just... Like stumbled into it. It seems like yep. I was didn't know what to do, and then I wrote a book, and then you know got in front of the right people and lucked out or whatever. Right. Yeah. So got the Angela Hardwick series. So that's going strong. Yep. Are you working on um, any other projects right now? Well, um, I am co-writing. So I'm a member of Crazy Eight Press, which is an author collective, and there's a bunch. Well, there's ten of us now, <laughs> not eight. Um, you know, with a whole bunch of um, uh, very talented authors, a um, m- bunch of them New York Times best-selling authors, a bunch of Star Trek authors, Michael Jan Friedman, Bob Greenberger, Aaron Rosenberg, Glenn Howman, Hildy Silverman, Peter David, who wrote a lot of the um, Hulk comics, and um, Jeffrey Thorne and Mary Fan, Paul Kupperberg, and uh, we're doing um, an annual project that Michael Jan Friedman is editing. It's called the Phenomenons, and they're um, they're superheroes, but right. they're brand, they're brand new superheroes. And I'm co-writing a two-part story with um, Hildy Silverman. We wrote a two-parter in the first edition, which came out in 20, 2021, um, where um, her character is. Um, a private eye who has the ability to physically like ghost through physical objects. And my character, Disha has the ability to word manipulate people where she can manipulate the way people hear, speak and see language. Okay. They're now in, um, we are actually the linchpin stories for the second volume where we've kind of identified the big bad. And um, we're actually in the middle of co-writing that right now. Um, and I've got, I don't know, a half dozen short stories that are due to land in the next, you know, sometime between now and, let's see, 2024. They're, they're already written. They're done. I'm just waiting them for the, to land, including a couple of Hardwick um, shorts. And I'm writing, as I said earlier, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing Hardwick uh, 4 right now. Yeah, I gotcha. So um, how'd you kind of, like, fall in with these people? Like, uh, do you just, like, old buddies and... Because well, no, it sounds like I, a really interesting group to be a part of. It, it is actually. So I, I just told the story not that long ago. So about ten years ago, I was I was at a conference, uh, PhilCon, which it used to be uh, outside of Philadelphia. It's moved to uh, Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And I was out with my first book, Finders Keepers, and I had a vendor's table, and I was just you know manning the table as you do. And some guy walked by, and he looked at it. He goes, "Oh, this looks interesting. What's it about?" I go, "Ah, oh, you know, it's sci-fi." Um, sci-fi comedy, not too many people write that kind of thing. He says, I do. I'm like, 
oh, okay. I'm like, okay, who always told me his name is Aaron Rosenberg. I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, cool. We're jibber-jabbering. I'm like, oh, where are you from? He says, New York. I said, me too. I said, where? He said, Queens. I'm like, me too. <laughs> he says, I'm married. I'm like, okay, me too. He's like, I have two kids. Okay, me too, right? It was that kind of thing. We just had all this stuff in common. And he said, you know, what we do is me and a bunch of uh, the, writing, the writing nerds, we have lunch every Wednesday at the Malibu Diner on 23rd Street in Manhattan. Uh, near 8th Avenue. Now, this is a tradition that they've been doing for about 20 years. So Tor Publishing, you know, one of the top uh, sci-fi right. yeah. publishers, their offices were right over there. So what they used to do was that the writers and the publishers, the editors would would literally meet at the Malibu Diner on a Wednesday and have lunch. And at, my understanding is that at the peak, there'd be 20, 25 people there, just all the nerds just jibber-jabbering about nerd things. And then they would go across the street to the comic book shop because New Comic Day was Wednesday. And they would do that. And that became a tradition. Now, over the years, the, the, the comic shop moved and some other things changed. So when I got invited to hang out, the 20 group of 25 was probably more consistently about seven or eight. He said, why don't you come by for lunch? I did. And then from there, I met a bunch of other guys like David Mack, who writes um, a lot of the Star Trek novels and uh and glenn howman and a bunch of other folks and then once i they got to know me and i got to know them i had said to aaron we were actually walking back from lunch i said listen you know i've got another book coming out uh, this one was crossline which is a space opera that i wrote i'm looking for a home would you guys be interested in maybe working with me and he said well it just so happens that we just had a discussion saying we need to open up our doors and bring some more people under the tent so he said hey to the other crazy eight members who were there at the time. I met this guy. This is who he is. This is what he does. He's a good guy. He's a good writer. What do you think? And then they invited me to officially join the crew. And I've been part of Crazy Eight Press for, I don't know, about 10 years at this point. All right. Cool. Yeah, no. Sounds better than the one time I tried to join a writer's group here locally. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is it, was like a, it was like a critique group, too. But it was like, um, like, you know, you were supposed to critique everyone else's stuff, right? But, like, it's on a Saturday. And, like... I would send my stuff out like a week ahead and then like no one would like one person or two would send theirs out. And then like Friday you would get like six or seven like people submissions and they're all like 20 pages long. So it's like yeah. 120 pages. I have to like critique yeah, that's in not- like the next 12 hours for this group. And I was like, I don't have time to do this all at once. Yeah. I've been in writers groups, although the crazy like, press to be clear is not, this is not. I got you. Yeah, I got you. I was like the only fantasy author in the group, so it just I was like, okay, this is not working. Yeah, no, this is more of an author collective where we I got we we publish our own stuff and we you know we support each other through marketing efforts and we do we do some conventions together. Um, you know, we have yeah. merchandise and that kind of thing. So, but it's been it's been good. So we and we collaborate on a lot of pro, on anthologies. We collaborate a, uh, probably on two to four every year. All right, well, that sounds really cool. So. uh Russ, if you want to let our listeners know where they can like connect with you on the internet. Yeah, sure. So um, I'm on Facebook. I'm easy to find. Um, my handle on Twitter and Instagram is author dude Russ. Um, you could also just, if you just Google my name and uh, put my name into YouTube, you'll find my YouTube channel. I've got about 70 something episodes that are already, that I've already hosted already there. So I'm, I'm pretty easy to find. Awesome. Well, it was really great talk, no, chatting with you, Russ. Yeah, no, great. If you don't mind, I'd like to just uh, – just uh, I didn't sort of let anyone know what the Hardwick books are about. If we can spend oh, 30 seconds. Had, yeah, no. 
Yeah, so just, just so everyone kind of knows what the plot, just the, the, the quick summaries of each Yeah, book. we didn't actually have a plot, no, we just sort of had a general backdrop of what the yeah. setting was. I'm sorry, yeah, go. Yeah, so like, tell us what the first book's about. Yeah, so Crackle and Fire is the first book, um, and in this one, uh, a young a young accounting executive hires Hardwick uh, to track down a missing intern who stole some highly sensitive files, and he needs them desperately to get them back before he's found out or he's toast. Um, and the investigation leads Hardwick to um, sort of a, soci- a socio-economic um, street movement and a serial killer uh, from Earth who's got galactic ambitions uh, of his own. And it's got a little bit of a time travel uh, component to it. In the second novel, Fractured Lives, which is uh, has a very heavy cyberpunk vibe to it, and it also includes um, a big chunk of Hardwick's backstory. Um, Hardwick is hired to investigate uh, disturbing reports at a prestigious uh, university where a mysterious figure is rumored to be stealing shards of the student's souls. And then in Hot Ash, which just came out, uh, Hard- which has a little bit more of, um, I would say, a little bit more of a, a James Bond kind of vibe to it. Uh, Hardwick is hired by a middle-aged widow who claims that her stepkids stole her deceased husband's real estate empire from her and wants help getting it back. And then the investigation leads Hardwick to a new form of cocaine and a majestic dome city that's covering up uh, a pretty horrifying secret. Okay. That's all sound like very, very fun books to read. Well, uh, thank you for joining me. Uh, No, I, I, I appreciate the time. You have a good one. All right. Thanks a lot. This has been Authors in Focus. You can find my fantasy novels on Amazon. Follow news of my writing at my blog, jmd-read.com, and follow me on Twitter at jmdread. You can also join my reader group on Facebook, Fantastical Worlds of the Imagination. You can find more episodes of the podcast at fantasy-focus.com or wherever your favorite podcast is hosted.